Al-Bashir, your source of Islamic literature, presents the lives of the prophets, part two. Alhamdulillah, salatu wassalam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Sayyidina Yahya alayhi salam was a Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's a hadith narrated by Imam Ahmad and Tirmidhi and Al-Nasai, Al-Habban and Al-Hakim. And the hadith is sahih. I'll read the hadith and translate it as we go through it. Rasulullah sallallahu says, "In Allah amara Yahya ibn Zakariya bi khamsi kalimatin an ya'mal bihin wa an ya'mura bani Israila an ya'malu bihin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded Yahya bin Zakariya with five commandments to perform in his self and to command Bani Israel to perform. فَكَأَنَّهُ أَبْطَأَ بِهِنْ So it seems that he delayed conveying the message. So he received the five commandments from Allah and he didn't hasten in conveying them. فَأَوْحَ اللَّهُ إِلَىٰ عِيسَىٰ إِمَّا أَنْ يُبَلِّغْهُنْ أَوْ تُبَلِّغْهُنْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam that he either conveys them or you convey them. Because Yahya has received the order and until now he didn't convey it. So Sayyidina Isa salam went to Sayyidina Yahya. Isa went to him and said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you five commandments. You either convey them or I'll convey them myself. Sayyidina Yahya said, Oh, Spirit of Allah. And why did he call Sayyidina Isa the Spirit of Allah, Ruhullah? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls him in Quran, that he's the spirit of Allah. And it means that the ruh of Sayyidina Isa was created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It doesn't mean that he's the actual spirit of Allah. It means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the spirit of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. He told him, Oh, spirit of Allah, I'm afraid that if you convey them, I will be punished or the earth would swallow me. It is very important to convey the message, especially when it's needed. And that's why the ulama say لا يجوز تأخير البيان عن وقت الحاجة. The scholars say it is not allowed to delay conveying the message beyond the time it's needed. So Sayyidina Yahya said, I'm afraid that if you go and do it and I don't do it myself, I would be punished. And Allah could even maybe make the earth swallow me. So he went forth and decided to convey the message. فجمع يحيى بن إسرائيل في بيت المقدس حتى امتلأ المسجد. Yahya gathered the children of Israel to Jerusalem and Rasulullah says until the masjid was full. So Yahya sat on a high place. Shurufat, a shurfa can mean window and it can also mean a high place. So he sat on a high place to speak to them. So he praised Allah and he thanked him and he said in Allah amarani Allah has commanded me five things to perform myself and you should perform. He said, number one, you worship Allah and you associate no gods beside him. And the analogy of someone who's worshiping a god besides Allah is like one of you who bought a slave. So you have a slave. And you paid for that with your money in gold or silver. And then you told that slave to work for you. 
So the slave would go and work, and instead of giving you the harvest, he would go and give it to someone else. Sayyidina Yahya said, who would accept that? And then he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who created you, and the one who is giving you, so you should worship no one but him. Meaning that we are the slaves of Allah. We are owned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's the one who created us. So we shouldn't worship anyone beside him. And he is the one who's sustaining us, therefore we should thank him. Because we are the slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَآمُرُكُمْ بِالصَّلَاةِ وَإِذَا قُمْتُمْ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ فَلَا تَلْتَفِتُوا فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ عَزَّ وَجَلْ يُقْبِلُ بِوَجْهِ عَلَى الْعَبْدِ مَا لَمْ يَلْتَفِتُ Number two, I command you to pray. And then he said, and when you stand to pray, don't turn your face around. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is facing you. And as long as you're facing him, Allah will face you. And as soon as you turn your face away, Allah will turn his face away from you. It's a common mistake, turning the eyes around in salah. And that is something unacceptable in salah. One should not stare around and keep track of everyone who's coming in and out and what's going around. That distracts you from salah. And as soon as you do that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will turn his face away from you. One should stare at the place of sujood throughout salah. وَآمُرَكُمْ بِالصِّيَامِ وَمَثَلُ ذَلِكَ كَمَثَلِ رَجُلٍ مَعَهُ صُرَّةُ صُرَّةُ مِسْكٍ فِي عِصَابَةٍ كُلُّهُمْ يَجِدُ رِيحَ الْمِسْكِ وَإِنَّ خَلُوفٍ فَمِ الصَّائِمِ أَطْيَبُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ مِنْ رِيحَ الْمِسْكِ And then he said, and I command you to fast. And the analogy of that is like someone walking with a sack of musk. And everyone is able to smell it. And then he said, the smell of the mouth of the person who's fasting is better in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than the smell of musk. وَآمُرَكُمْ بِالصَّدَقَةِ وَمَثَلُ ذَلِكَ كَمَثَلِ رَجُلٍ أَسَرَهُ الْعَدُوْ فَشَدُّوا يَدَيْهِ إِلَىٰ عُنُقِهِ وَقَدَّمُوهُ لِيَضْرِبُوا عُنُقَهِ فَقَالَ لَهُمْ هَلْ لَكُمْ أَنْ أَفْتَدِيَ نَفْسِي مِنْكُمْ فَجَعَلَ يَفْتَدِي نَفْسَهُ مِنْهُمْ بِالْقَلِيلِ وَالْكَثِيرِ and then he gave them an analogy. He said the analogy of that is like a man who was captured by the enemy. And they tied his hands to his neck. He's hopeless. And they forwarded him to execution. So this man was tied up. He has no way to run around. No way to defend himself. His hands are tied to his neck. And they're forwarding him to chop his head. So this man, during when he's going towards death, he's bargaining with them to release him and he's trying to ransom himself with money. So he's giving them money, he's giving them money, he's giving them money until they release him. The meaning of this analogy is that by sadaqah, by giving sadaqah and continuously giving sadaqah, we are ransoming ourselves from hellfire. We might be in a hopeless case, hands tied to the neck, going towards the direction of hellfire. Give sadaqah throughout the way until you die. And we hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to free us all from hellfire. Sadaqah is a way of itq min al-nar. It's a way to free oneself from hellfire. So give, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you more. وَأَمُرُكُمْ بِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ كَثِيرًا وَمَثَلُ ذَلِكَ مَثَلِ رَجُلٍ طَلَبَهُ الْعَدُوُ صِرَاعًا فِي أَثَرِهِ 
فأتى حصنا حصينا فأحرز نفسه فيه وإن العبد أحسن ما يكون من الشيطان إذا كان في ذكر الله تعالى. And I command you to remember Allah, make dhikr. And the analogy of that is like a man who is pursued by the enemy. They're pursuing him. So he finds a very protective fortress. So he goes in it and he protects himself. So imagine this man running away and the enemy is pursuing him. And he finds this castle, this strong fort, and he goes in and he closes the door and he's safe. And then Sayyidina Yahya says, and you are in the safest place from shaitan when you are remembering the name of Allah. You are in the safest place. You are protected from shaitan when you remember the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So remember the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala frequently. Remember the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a lot. These are the five commandments of Sayyidina Yahya. And this is a hadith. Then Rasulullah said, And I have five commands to give you. Rasulullah spoke about the five commands of Sayyidina Yahya. Now Rasulullah wants to give his five commands. فإنه من فارق الجماعة قيد شبر فقد خلع ربقة الإسلام من عنقه إلا أن يراجع ومن دعا بدعوة الجاهلية فهو من جثاء جهنم وإن صام وزعم أنه مسلم فادعوا بدعوة الله التي سماكم بها المسلمين المؤمنين عباد الله رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says and I command you five things number one جماعة be with the community the community of the Muslims and this means that you stick to the Muslims who are going to support you on a Sarat al-Mustaqeem. You need to be part of that community. And you listen and you obey. You listen means whenever the, whenever the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are given, you listen attentively with the intention to follow, not with the intention to argue against them or to find a way out. You listen and you obey. You hear the command of Allah and you say, I obey and I accept. You make hijrah. And this is mansukh. This order is abrogated uh, because after the Fatah uh, of Mecca, there is no more hijrah. It is jihad. And then Rasulullah says, And jihad in the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the path of Allah. And then Rasulullah says, and whoever leaves the jama'ah, the Muslim community, a span of a hand, he has taken out Islam from his neck. If you imagine Islam as a collar, you have taken it out. And then Rasulullah says, except if he comes back. And then he says, and whoever raises the banners and the slogans and the mottos of jahiliyyah, then he will be in hellfire. Da'wah al-Jahiliyyah is the nationalism and al-Asabiyyah, the zealousy of nationalism and tribalism. Islam is now a new identity. It's a new identity for us. So Rasulullah says, call them with their name, al-Muslimin al-Mu'mineen ibadallah. Give them the identity of Muslims and Mu'mins, believers, the servants of Allah. That's who we are. We are al-Muslimin, al-Mu'mineen, ibadallah. And that's the identity, identity we are proud with.
And Rasulullah says, whoever brings up these banners of jahiliyyah, these nationalisms or tribalisms or whatever you're going to call them, or sectarianism, is Jutha' Jahannam, will be part of whatever is dumped in hellfire. So it is a matter of faith. This gets into the central belief of al-wala' wal-bara, that our loyalty goes to the faithful and the believers, and we have nothing to do with uh, the ones who reject the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذْ قَالَتِ الْمَلَائِكَةُ يَا مَرْيَمُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَاكِ وَطَهَّرَكِ وَاصْطَفَاكِ عَلَى نِسَاءِ الْعَالَمِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and remember, when the angel said, O Maryam, verily Allah has chosen you. So Maryam السلام, was the chosen woman out of mankind. Among the women, it is Maryam And Rasulullah says in the hadith, and this hadith is authentic and it's been narrated in different forms by many, in many books of hadith. But the summary of it is that Rasulullah says, The best of the women of the world are four. And then he said, Maryam bint Amran, wa Asiya bint Muzahim, wa Khadija bint Khuwailid, wa Fatima bint Muhammad. These are the four best women of the world. Now what is the ranking among them, among these four? There is a hadith, and that hadith says that the best of the women are Maryam, thumma, and then, and then, after Maryam, Fatima bint Muhammad, then Khadija, and then Asiya. Now in terms of Maryam being the best, this is something that there is very little dispute about. Because she has been mentioned in the Quran that she is the one who is chosen. And we notice something interesting, that these four women are related somehow to Anbiya. Two of them raised up a Nabi, and these two were Maryam, she raised up Isa, and who? Asya, she raised up Musa, even though she's not his mother, but she's the one who raised him up. You can see that the, uh, the nurturing that the woman gives to the child in bringing up, bringing up the child as a strong Muslim character can elevate the woman to the highest level. And then we have a wife of a Nabi, and that's Khadija. And finally we have a daughter of a Nabi, and that's Fatima to bint Muhammad. So these are the best of the women of the world. There are a few ahadith, but all of them are weak. There is doubt in their sanad. But keep in mind that you cannot use this as an evidence. It's just information that could be true or false. That Rasulullah will marry Maryam and Asiya in Jannah. There are a few a hadith mentioned, but as I said, fi nazar. All of them have a doubtful sanad. Some of the scholars did adopt this opinion, and some of them said we don't know. But I'm mentioning to you, mentioning it to you as something that has been mentioned in the books of history, and Ibn Kathir talks about it. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says that the angels came to Maryam and delivered to her the news that she has been chosen by Allah. 
So this news was given to her by the angels. They descended on her and gave her this news. Now this has led some of the scholars like Ibn Hazm, for example, to say that Maryam was a Nabiya. Ibn Hazm said that Maryam is a prophet because the angels descended on her. But this not accepted by the scholars of the Ummah. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا قَبْلَكَ إِلَّا رِجَالًا إِلَيْهِمْ We have not sent before you except men whom we reveal to them. So the prophethood is among al-rijal, is among the men. The fact that the angels came to Maryam, it doesn't mean that it was a wahi of revelation to her, but it was some sort of inspiration or speaking of an angel to her, and it's a karama. It's a karama from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to Maryam. وَطَهَّرَكِ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has purified you. وَاصْطَفَاكِ عَلَى نِسَاءِ الْعَالَمِينَ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen you above all the women of the world. And then the angels are conveying to her the order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. يَا مَرْيَمُ قُنُتِي لِرَبِّكِ وَاسْجُدِي وَارْكَعِي مَعَ الرَّاكِعِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O Mary, Submit yourself with obedience to your Lord and prostrate yourself and bow down with the ones who bow down. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said the Qunuti from Qunut. And Qunut is having khushu'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continuously. That's Qunut. And then Sujudi, Sujud. and make ruku'a. What is Sujud and ruku'a? What does that refer to? It refers to Salah. It refers to salah because as we said, ruku' and sujood are the most prominent symbols of salah. If you see somebody in ruku' you know that that person is praying. If you see somebody in sujood, you know that that person is praying. So ruku' and sujood are very prominent and unique positions of salah. That's why they have been used to refer to salah in Qur'an. Warka'i ma'arraka'in, make ruku' with the ones who are making ruku' what is that referring to? Salat al-jama'ah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ordering Maryam, Maryam alayhi salam to join in the jama'ah and uh, pray. This is part of the news of the unseen given to you. And thus, this has been mentioned a few times in Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa the story. And within the story or after the story, Allah would tell him, this was unseen, you didn't know it, and your people didn't know it. So it's a ni'mah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he has given to you. And it's a ni'mah on this ummah. Why? Subhanallah, the, the, the stories of the anbiya are such a wealth for us in terms of guiding us to the right path. All of this experience of the anbiya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been summarized for us in Quran. We have it all with us. We have the long experience of all of the anbiya throughout history. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has gathered it all and put it for us in Qur'an. And this was something unknown to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and it was unknown to the people in his time. They barely, they barely knew about Musa and Isa by name. And that's why when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam met with the Christian servant in a ta'if and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked him, where are you from? He said, I am from Ninawa, Ninawa in Iraq. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, you are from the town of Ar-Rajul Salih Yunus ibn Matta. You are from the town of the righteous man Yunus ibn Matta. The man was surprised. Because people in, in Arabia, they don't know who Yunus ibn Matta was. As I said, they barely heard about Musa and Isa. 
And now Muhammad sallallahu is telling this man, Yunus ibn Matta. He said, do you know him? He was surprised. Rasulullah sallallahu said, yes, he's my brother. We are anbiya. These stories of al-anbiya, they were not known. And they are uh, distorted in the Old Testament and the New Testament. They're, they don't exist in the pure form. So the only reference, the only reference for the stories of the anbiya is Quran. And the interpretation given to it by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa in hadith. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قالت الملائكة يا مريم إن الله يبشرك بكلمة منه And remember when the angel said, O oh Maryam, verily Allah gives you the glad tidings of a word. We'll get back to this ayat. We'll move on to the ayat from Surah Maryam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ مَرْيَمَ إِذٍ تَبَذَتْ مِنْ أَهْلِهَا مَكَانًا شَرْقِيًّا And mention in the book, Maryam, when she withdrew in seclusion from her family, to a place facing east. Maryam, where was she living? Beit al-Maqdis, from Jerusalem. She went outside towards the east. فَاتَّخَذَتْ مِنْ دُونِهِمْ حِجَابًا She placed a screen from them, meaning that she was away from her people. She was alone. فَأَرْسَلْنَا إِلَيْهَا رُوحَنَا We sent to her our ruh. The word ruh in Quran has, has been used for three different meanings. It means... Our spirit, our soul, ar-ruh, that's one meaning. Second meaning is ar-ruh al-Qudus, which is Jibreel alayhi salam, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, ruhana. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, has called him uh, my ruh, the ruh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is referring to Jibreel. Jibreel has been called the ruh of Allah. Not to mean literally that he is the ruh of Allah. He is created by Allah. But he was named Ruh Allah because he is the one who carries the words of Allah. Jibreel is the one who is carrying the words of Allah. Jibreel is the angel of Wahi. Any revelation of scripture that was revealed was through Jibreel. Al-Tawrah was revealed by Jibreel. Al-Injil by Jibreel. And Al-Quran by Jibreel. Al-Zabur by Jibreel. He is the angel of Wahi. And Wahi is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's the word of Allah. Also, Ruh has been mentioned in Quran to refer to either the soul of Adam or the soul of Isa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has وَنَفَخْنَا فِيهِ مِنْ رُوحِنَا The soul of Adam and the soul of Isa were called the soul of Allah, the spirit of Allah. Again, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created these two souls from the beginning, in a different form than the natural way that we multiply. The reproduction of the human being happens through a husband and wife. But with the case of Adam, Adam was created without a father and a mother, and Isa was created without a father. So over here, Ruhana uh, means Jibreel alayhi salam. فَأَرْسَلْنَا إِلَيْهَا رُوحَنَا فَتَمَثَلَ لَهَا بَشَرًا He presented himself to her in a human form. Now Maryam is alone, and now she suddenly sees a man. That was that made her nervous. She said, "Verily, I seek refuge with the most gracious Allah from you, if you do fear Allah." This is telling she's 
making a dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the same time she's begging the man. She said, A'udhu bil Rahmani mink. I seek refuge in Allah. So she's asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then she's begging him, saying, In kunta taqiyya, if you have any fear of Allah, meaning stay away from me. It made her nervous to see this man when she was alone. And this man was approaching her. He said, قَالَ إِنَّمَا أَنَا رَسُولُ رَبِّكِ لِأَهَبَ لَكِ غُلَامًا زَكِيًّا The angel said, I am, and she doesn't know that this is the angel. She thinks it's a human being. I am only a messenger from your Lord to announce to you the gift of a righteous son. And this even made it worse. She asked and said, قَالَتْ أَنَّ يَكُنُوا لِي غُلَامٌ وَلَمْ يَمْسَسْنِي بَشَرٌ وَلَمْ أَكُوْ she said, how can I have a son when no man has touched me, nor am I unchaste? He said, so it will be. Your Lord said, that is easy for me. And we will make him a sign for mankind. Isa ibn Maryam السلام, is a sign for mankind. And subhanAllah, the most amazing uh, personality is Isa ibn Maryam السلام. His birth was miraculous. It was an amazing birth. His miracles are amazing, giving life. The way he was elevated was amazing. It was a miracle in itself. The descending of Isa ibn Maryam is a miracle. So his whole life, subhanAllah, is an intriguing and amazing life. And that's why the personality of Isa ibn Maryam is the most controversial. The three religions, the three religions, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, the pivotal point of dispute is on Isa ibn Maryam. The difference between the three religions, the point of contention, is on the reality of Isa ibn Maryam. The Jews say that he was not a prophet of Allah and he was an illegitimate son. They said he is not an, a legitimate son, he was born out of zina. That's what the Yahud say. And subhanAllah, it's interesting to see how the Christians can fall prey to the Jews when they know that's what the Jews say about their Nabi. The Christians say that no, Jesus was born from the Virgin Mary and he is the son of Allah. And then the Muslims come and say, Isa ibn Maryam was born from the Virgin Mary and he is the Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he is the righteous, one of Al-Ulul Azmi min Rusul, the five best of the Anbiya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not have a partner and Allah does not have a son. So the difference focuses on Isa ibn Maryam. And because of this contention, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send him down again to solve it. Because of this dispute that arose, it is he, Isa ibn Maryam, who will come down at the end of time and solve this once and for all. He will not accept jizya, and will kill the pig, and he will break the cross. He will put an end to this. And he is a mercy from Allah. And it is already decreed. So Jibreel is telling her this is something that cannot argue with. It's already done. The angel Jibreel, he came to Maryam and he blew into her. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, 
So we blur, blew into her from our soul, and Isa was created by the kalima, the word, and that is kun. Kun fayakun. That's how Sayyidina Isa was created. So she became pregnant. And she withdrew with him to a far place. Far place is Beit Lahm. She was pregnant and she went towards Beit Lahm, Bethlehem. And it seems that her pregnancy was concealed and no one, no one knew about it. She was able to hide it throughout her pregnancy. Nobody knew that she was pregnant. And when she felt that her delivery is approaching, she left Jerusalem and she went towards, she just went out of Jerusalem. And when she got towards Beit Lahm, she started feeling the pain of delivery. So she fell down under a palm tree. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَأَجَاءَهَا الْمَخَاضُ إِلَىٰ جِذْعَ النَّخْلَةِ and the pains of childbirth drove her to the trunk of a date palm. And I want you to imagine now that you are over there. Imagine this situation. Maryam السلام, has been hiding this pregnancy for nine months. That's difficult. And now she's leaving out of her town alone with no help. And now she's feeling that pain and it drives her and she falls down under a palm tree. It was so difficult on her, she said. Would that I had died before this and had been forgotten out of sight. I wish that I have died before this. Sayyidatna Maryam was afifa. She was chaste and righteous. And now she's going to deliver a child and she has never been married. And she knows the tongues of the people. And she knows the harm that they would cause her and her family. The righteous family of Al-Imran. It became so difficult on her, she said, I wish that I have never lived before this. And I wish that nobody has known me and I was forgotten. I didn't exist. In that moment of difficulty, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provided her with sakina. When things got to the level where it's unbearable for her anymore, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought her comfort and rahmah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, She heard a voice from beneath her. The Mufassirin say it's either Jibreel or Isa. And this voice told her, لا تحزني. Do not grieve. Your Lord has provided a water stream under you. And shake the trunk of the date palm towards you and it will let fresh ripe dates fall upon you. Allah provided her with water and Allah provided her with dates. And it's a miracle from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah provided her with this. A water stream was now suddenly flowing under her. She can reach it with her hands. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, shake the palm tree, fresh ripe dates will fall unto you. Now we learn from this some very important lessons. Number one, Maryam alayhi salam just delivered a child, is helpless, alone. And she is told by Isa or by Jibreel, to shake 
not the branch of the palm tree, but to shake what? Jidr, the base of the palm tree. And all of you know palm trees and know how solid it is. If a group of men surround it and try to shake it at the base, it's impossible. So what's the point in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling Maryam, shake the base of a palm tree? She's not going to be able to shake it. She's not going to be able to even move it a fraction of an inch. Why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling her to shake it? Make an effort. She has to do her part. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have made the dates fall on her without her shaking. Because it's not the shaking, it's not the shaking of a palm tree that will make the fruit, fruit fall down. It is a karama from Allah. If you put your hands on a palm tree, don't expect any dates to fall on you. It's a karama from Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have made the dates fall down without her intervention. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants her to do her part. And that's a very, very important lesson. If we want the victory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have to do our part. You have to take the first step. In mashayta ilayya harwaltu ilayk. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the hadith al-Qudusi, if you walk towards me, I will run towards you. But you have to take the first step. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ اَهْتَدَوْ زَادَهُمُ اللَّهُ هُدَى The ones who seek guidance, they look for it, Allah will give it to them. If you seek guidance, Allah will give it to you. If you wait there expecting things to come to you without any effort, nothing will happen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not reward the person for their laziness, procrastination, and passiveness. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to do our part. So Maryam alayhi salam put her hand on the palm tree, these fresh, ripe dates fell on her. We also learn from this in conjunction with the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that it's the best food for an-nufasa, the woman who just delivered, the best food for her is what? Dates. Dates is the best food for the woman who just delivered a child, and this is also confirmed in the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa They used to give an-nufasa uh, dates. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provided her with water and provided her with the فَكُلِي وَشْرَبِي وَقَرِّي عَيْنَا So eat and drink and be glad. Now we'll go back to the ayat from Surah Al-Imran. The angel Jibreel, when he came to give her the glad tidings that she will have a child, the angels told her, إِذْ قَالَتِ الْمَلَائِكَةُ يَا مَرْيَمُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُبَشِّرُكِ بِكَلِمَةٍ مِّنْهُ اسْمُهُ الْمَسِيحُ عِيسَى بْنُ مَرْيَمُ Allah gives you the glad tidings of a word. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him his name, Isa ibn Maryam. So he was named by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he was, he carried the name of his mother, Isa ibn Maryam. And then Allah said, وَجِيهًا فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ وَمِنَ الْمُقَرَّبِينَ Held in honor in this world and in the hereafter and will be one of those who are near to Allah. Isa is held in honor. Subhanallah, Isa is honored so much by the Muslims. And the Muslims, we have so much love for Isa. And I think overall that we have more love for Isa than the Christians have. And when he comes down, this ummah would be servants for him. And then in Akhirah also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is holding Isa ibn Maryam in honor. So he has wajaha. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him wajaha, this high status 
of honor. Plus, Rasulullah loved him so much. Why? In addition to him being a Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he was the closest one to Rasulullah Rasulullah has mentioned in a few ahadith that he loves him so much. Why? Because there is no prophet between me and him. We are the closest together. And then the angels told her, وَيُكَلِّمُ النَّاسَ فِي الْمَهْدِ وَكَهْلًا وَمِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ He will speak to people in the cradle and in manhood, and he would be one of the righteous. يُكَلِّمُ النَّاسَ فِي الْمَهْدِ In cradle, in infancy. What did he say? What was the first words that Isa ibn Maryam pronounced when he was born? إِنِّي عَبْدُ اللَّهِ I'm the servant of Allah. The first words that came out from the mouth of Isa ibn Maryam when he was born is that I am the servant of Allah, I'm the slave of Allah. Inni Abdullah. This has been crossed out from the books of the Christians. The first word that he said is Inni Abdullah. So he speaks to people, he speaks to people in cradle, filmahd. Wa kahlan. Kahlan al-kuhula is manhood. This is defined as over 33 years old or over 40 difference of opinion on the linguistic meaning of the word, but it means in manhood, in adulthood. But you can find that all of them say it's over 30 years old. That's al-kuhula. And it's interesting to note that some of the scholars have said that when Isa ibn Maryam comes down, because Isa ibn Maryam, he was elevated alive at a pretty young age, early 30s. When he comes down, these scholars say that the first thing he will say is, Inni Abdullah. Inni Abdullah, I'm the servant of Allah. So the first word that came out from his mouth when he was in the cradle was, I'm the servant of Allah. And the first word that will come out of his mouth in manhood when he comes down to this world is, I'm the servant of Allah. And they use that as an explanation to this ayah. He speaks to the people in cradle and in manhood. وَيُعَلِّمُهُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةَ وَالتَّوْرَاةَ وَالْإِنْجِيلِ Allah will teach him the book and wisdom. What is wisdom? The sunnah of who? The sunnah of Isa. Every Nabi has a sunnah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught him al-Injil. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught him with al-Injil the sunnah of Isa ibn Maryam. وَرَسُولًا إِلَىٰ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ And a messenger to Bani Israel. كَانَ الْأَنْبِيَاءُ يُبْعَثُونَ إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِمْ خَاصَةً وَبُعُثْتُ إِلَىٰ النَّاسِ عَامَّةً Rasulullah sallallahu says, the Anbiya were sent to their people specifically, and I was sent to all of the world. Isa ibn Maryam here says, I was sent to Bani Israel. All of the Anbiya had the local responsibility. Rasulullah sallallahu his responsibility was to provide the message to the world. The ayat al-Qur'an that present Islam as a global message are about 20. There are about 20 ayat al-Qur'an that say that Islam is a global religion and global message. 18 of them were revealed in Mecca. So when Rasulullah was still in Mecca and was still giving da'wah only to the people of Mecca, Qur'an was already telling them that this is a worldwide religion and you were sent to all mankind. And an example of that is in Surah Al-Qalam, which is one of the early surah revealed in Mecca. وَمَا هُوَ إِلَّا ذِكْرٌ لِلْعَالَمِينَ This is a reminder to all the world. Rasulullah was still giving da'wah to the people of Mecca. But Allah was telling him that this is to all the world. 
So from the beginning, from the beginning, Islam was a worldwide religion. And most of the ayat that give Islam this global, presented as a global message, were revealed in Mecca, not in Medina. From the beginning, this was a worldwide religion. In Surah Al-Anbiya, We have sent you as mercy for mankind. And this is an ayah revealed in Mecca also. I have come to you with a sign from your Lord. Isa said, Isa said, I designed for you out of clay a figure like that of a bird and breathe into it and it becomes a bird by Allah's leaf. Isa ibn Maryam would bring some clay, mold it into the shape of a bird, he would breathe into it, and the bird would be alive. He had the ability to give life to the dead. And this was, he says, by the will of Allah. And I heal him who has born, who was born blind, and the leper. And I bring the dead to life by Allah's leave. SubhanAllah, you can see the amazing miracles Allah was giving Isa. He would put his hand on the blind, he would see. He would put his hand on the person who would not speak, he would speak. He would put his hand on the dead, the dead would wake up alive. He would breathe into a bird, the bird would fly. See the amazing miracles Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was giving Isa ibn Maryam. وَأُنَبِّيُكُمْ بِمَا تَأْكُلُونَ وَمَا تَدَّخِرُونَ فِي بُيُوتِكُمْ And I inform you of what you eat. وَمَا تَدَّخِرُونَ فِي بُيُوتِكُمْ And I tell you what you're hiding in your homes. إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةً لَكُمْ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ Therein is a sign for you if you believe. SubhanAllah. With all of these unbelievable, SubhanAllah, amazing miracles, nevertheless, Bani Israel did not believe. Healing in front of them, giving life to the dead, Breathing in a bird. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala equips every Nabi with miracles that challenge the people in what they do best. The people of Egypt, what was their field of specialty? Magic. And the people of Egypt, they reached to the highest levels in magic. Maybe even more advanced than the magic of today. And the magicians held such high status in the society that they were considered to be the high class. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Musa miracles to challenge them in what they do best. He gave him the stick and the hand to come out white and shining. Miracles to challenge them in what they think they are the experts in. People in the time of Isa used to be into the field of medicine and healing. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Isa miracles to challenge them in what they do best. And they are not going to be able to bring similar miracles not only in their time, but until the day of judgment. Even now, if we are able to cure the blind and the leper, it's never going to be in the way that Isa did it. We might be able to cure some of the diseases that Isa was curing, but it's never going to be the same way. Isa would just put his hand over the blind and he would see. He would put his hand over the mouth of the person who cannot speak and he would speak. Put his hand over the person who has uh, leprosy and he would heal him. Never would the world be able to come up with a miracle and that's why it's a miracle. It's mu'jizah. And what does the word mu'jizah mean in Arabic? Unability. You are challenging the people and they would be unable to come up with something to challenge it. 
That's the meaning of ajaz. So the mu'ajizah would continue to be a mu'ajizah until the day of judgment. Bani Israel did not believe with all of these miracles. وَمُصَدِّقًا لِمَا بَيْنَ يَدَيَّ مِنَ التَّوْرَةِ And I have come confirming that which was before me in a Torah. This has not only been mentioned in the Quran, but it's in the Bible too. Isa ibn Maryam himself says, I have came to confirm the law of the Torah, dot by dot, jot by jot, letter by letter. In the New Testament, in the Bible of today, Isa said, I have came to confirm the law of the Torah. And then Paul comes up and says, you do not have to follow the law. You do not have to keep up with the law of the Torah. In fact, you have to leave it behind because that's not the religion. And they follow Paul and they leave the word of Isa, which is in the Bible of today. Subhanallah. And that's why uh, the true founder of Christianity of today is Paul and it's not Isa. This is not the religion of Isa, Ibn Maryam alayhi salam. Even Michael Hart, in his book, uh, The Hundred Greatest, he has given Paul a higher status than Isa, than Jesus. He said because he has more influence on the religion of Christianity than Jesus does. The Christianity of today is influenced more by Paul than it is by Isa alayhi salam. But the influence of Isa alayhi salam is not lost. The influence of Isa is on us. We are the inheritors of the message of Isa ibn Maryam. وَلِيُحِلَّ لَكُمْ بَعْضَ الَّذِي حُرِّمَ عَلَيْكُمْ and to make lawful to you part of that which was forbidden to you. There were some laws that were made specifically as a punishment for Bani Israel. Because Bani Israel used to ask too many questions to their anbiya and were very stubborn, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punished them by some laws. Isa ibn Maryam came to relieve them of these restrictions on them. By the way, the message of Isa had a very strong spiritual dimension to it because the Jews in the time of Isa they have become very dry-hearted and rigid. They compile lists of laws to follow. We have to do this, we have to do this, we have to do this, don't do this, don't do this. They made a list of 600 or 660 laws and they would go through them. They would just follow the law blindly, but the heart was dead. There was no spirituality. So Isa ibn Maryam came to shake their hearts and bring a revival to their hearts again. And that's why you find that Isa ibn Maryam had a very strong position against dunya. Because they were attached to dunya too much, they needed somebody to draw them out by presenting a very strong anti-dunya message. Isa ibn Maryam led a very simple life. He never got married. He was a true representation of zuhd because the people were so much attached to dunya, he had to bring them back. The message of Muhammad is different. Muhammad came as, a, as an individual that has a little bit of everything and has the best of everything. And, was the, and this is the balanced message and this is the, the religion of Al-Wasat, the middle way. So the personality of Muhammad has the best of Isa, the best of Musa, the best of Yusuf, the best of Nuh, the best of Adam, the best of all of the Anbiya was brought together in the personality of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the zuhd of Isa was in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The beauty of Yusuf was in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The strength of Adam was in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The patience of Musa alayhi salam was in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The persistence of Nuh alayhi salam was in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Allah brought the best of these qualities and put them in one man and that's Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.
And then he told them, إِنَّ اللَّهَ رَبِّي وَرَبُّكُمْ فَعْبُدُوهُ هَذَا صَرَاطٌ مُسْتَقِيمٌ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is my Lord and your Lord, so worship Him. This is the straight path. We'll go back to uh, the ayat of Surah Maryam and talk about the rest of the story of Maryam when she delivered Isa ibn Maryam alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told her, فَإِمَّا تَرَيِّنَّ مِنَ الْبَشَرِ أَحَدًا فَقُولِ إِنِّي نَذَرْتُ لِلرَّحْمَنِ صَوْمًا Now Maryam has, has a child with her. And it's going to be very difficult for her to convince the people that this is her child. And that it is a word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told her, don't speak. Don't speak, we'll take care of it. You don't have to argue on your behalf. If you see someone, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and if you see any human being, say, verily, I have vowed a fast unto the most gracious, so I shall not speak to any human being this day. Say that you're fasting from speaking. Because what will she tell the people? She will tell them an angel came to me and told me, they're not going to believe her. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told her, don't speak. She came to her people carrying the child. Immediately they said, They said, Oh Mary, indeed you have brought a thing that is mighty. What have you done? And then they said, O sister of Harun, your father was not a man who used to commit adultery, nor your mother was an unchaste woman. What have you done? So they're already accusing her. They told her your father was not a man who would commit zina, and your mother was a chaste woman. What have you done? They referred to her mother and father. And they also said, Ya Akhta Harun, O sister of Harun. Who's Harun? Harun, by the way, the Jews in the time of Rasulullah they said, see, Rasulullah does not know what he's talking about. He's saying that Maryam is the sister of Harun and between them are hundreds of years. So what does this mean? Ya Akhta Harun, O sister of Harun. It has one of two meanings. One of them, is that she had a brother whose name was Harun. And when they said that your father and your mother did not commit zina, they completed the rest of the family by mentioning her brother, who was also a righteous man. In other words, they're telling her, all of your family are righteous, what's wrong with you? This is one meaning. And Rasulullah says, those people used to name their children according to the names of their anbiya. So Allah says in a hadith, They used to name their children after their anbiya. And it is, uh, therefore, it's also something recommended to do, to name after the anbiya. Rasulullah named his son Ibrahim, which is the father of Rasulullah This is one meaning. The second meaning would be that they were bringing up Harun, السلام, the, the Nabi Harun. Because Al-Imran are from the descendants of Harun. They're the descendants of Dawood, and Dawood was the descendant of Harun. Subhanallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put the prophethood in Bani Israel, not in Musa, but in the lineage of Harun. So in other words, they're bringing up the fact that you are from a righteous family. You are from the righteous family of Harun. 
what are you doing? So you might ask the question, how come they said sister of Harun? Why didn't they say son of Harun? Well, in Quran it says, Akha Adil, the brother of Ad. When you are part of a family, you are called brother of that family. Allah, in, in Arabic language, that's how you say it. So Hud was, in Quran it, it is referred to Hud as Akha Adil, the brother of Ad. Even though he was a descendant of Ad from the people of Ad. So it would mean, you are from the righteous family of Harun, your father and your mother don't commit zina, what have you done? فأشارت إليه. She didn't speak because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told her don't speak. So she pointed to the child telling them he's gonna respond. How can we talk to a child who is in the cradle? What's wrong with you? Because he was pointing to Isa, she's pointing to him and said he's gonna respond back to you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made him speak. Inni Abdullah. He said, I am the slave of Allah. He has given me the scripture and made me a prophet. And he made me bless wherever I am. Wherever Sayyidina Isa is, blessing is following him. He is a blessed man. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has enjoined on me salah and zakah as long as I live. So salah and zakah are commandments that were given to the umam before, the ummah of Isa and the ummah of Musa and all of the umam before. They used to give, make salah and they used to give zakah. وَبَرًّا بِوَالِدَتِي and beautiful to my mother. وَلَمْ يَجْعَلْنِي جَبَّارًا شَقِيًّا And made me not arrogant, unblessed. And then he said, وَالسَّلَامُ عَلَيَّ يَوْمَ أُلِدْتُ وَيَوْمَ أَمُوتُ وَيَوْمَ أُبْعَثُ حَيَّا To refresh your memory again, even though we just talked about it, I think last week. We said that the most critical moments, difficult moments on the human being, are the moments of transition between two different phases in your life. As human beings, we go through phases. We live in the womb, and that's one phase, for nine months. And then we go through a transition phase, and that's delivery, and we come to another world. During that transition, when we are leaving from one world to another, the world of the womb to the world of the earth, that's a very difficult and nervous moment on us, so when we are born, what is the first reaction? We cry. Because we are going through this transition, we are going from the known to the unknown. We are going from the world we are familiar with to the unfamiliar world. You leave from the warmth of the womb to this vastness of this new world around you. So that's a different, difficult moment. And then we live in this dunya. We were unfamiliar with it. We became familiar. It was unknown. It became known, and unfortunately we become too attached to it. And then when it's time for us to leave this world to the other world, we go through a transition phase, and that is very difficult. And it's more difficult than the one before. And this transition phase is Sakarat al-Maut, the agony of death. And this agony of death is like a swing. You are going back and forth in this dunya and out, conscious and unconscious. 
until you finally cross the line. That's it. You leave the dunya for good and you are going into an unknown world. Alam al-Barzakh. And this is very difficult and you find people are in a state of shock when they're dying. And pain and agony. Because they're leaving the dunya they're so attached to. And that's why we shouldn't be attached to dunya. They're leaving the dunya they're so attached to, to something that it's unknown. Uh, Sulaiman ibn Abdul Malik came to one of the scholars, I think it's Abu Hazm. And he said, مَا بَالُنَا نَكْرَهُ الْمَوْتِ How come we hate death? Abu Hazm said, لِأَنَّكُمْ عَمَّرْتُمْ دُنْيَاكُمْ وَخَرَّبْتُمْ آخِرَتُكُمْ فَتَكْرَهُونَ الْخُرُوجَ مِنَ الْعُمْرَانِ يَلْخَرَبُ Sulaiman ibn Abdul Malik, the Khalifa of Bani Umayyah, very wealthy and rich, he came to this scholar, Abu Hazm, and he told him, how come we hate death? Abu Hazm told him, because you constructed your dunya and you destroyed your akhirah. So you hate to go from what is constructed to what is destroyed. You built and you established yourself in dunya and he didn't build the house for you in akhirah. You didn't build anything. So you don't want to go from something that is established to something that is not. That's why we need to build our future in akhirah. That's what we should establish. Because you're going to leave whatever you established in dunya. In that transition phase, it's very difficult. Sakalat al-Mawt. And then we enter into the grave. And we see hellfire and we see Jannah. And then the day of judgment starts. So we go through another transition. And that is taking us from the world of the grave to the world of Akhirah. And that is the worst of all. That's the most difficult. Because your grave pops up. And you crawl out of your grave. And you come out to the dunya and you see the world is... Shaking, earthquakes, the ocean is catching fire and exploding, mountains are bursting, the sky above your head is cracking, people are running around you as if they are drunk, the sun is right over your head, and you know the state of shock when you wake up from sleep, and there's something surprising happening around you, while you are waking up from sleep, from a deep sleep in your grave, and imagine the shock that you will go through when you see what's happening in Akhirah. So that is a very unpleasant and difficult and unsecure moment. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about Isa and salam, peace be upon me. The day I was born and the day I die and the day I shall be raised alive. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving me peace in the most needed moment when I was born and when I die and I, I'm raised up again. And we know that Isa ibn Maryam did not die yet. And this is one of the indications of his coming back. ذلك عيسى بن مريم قول الحق الذي فيه يمترون. Such is Isa, son of Maryam. It is a statement of truth which they doubt. This is the true word of Isa. If you want to know the life of Isa, these are the ayat. When Jafar ibn Abi Talib was summoned to meet Najashi and Amr ibn Al-As made a fitna and he went and said to Al-Najashi ask him what they say about Isa so Al-Najashi called Jafar Abi Talib and he told him what do you say about Jesus Jafar Ibn Abi Talib read these ayat from Surah Maryam and it is said in the story that tears were flowing from the eyes of Al-Najashi and the eyes of the priests because of the beautiful words in the description of the story of Isa ibn Maryam in Surah Maryam. 
something that is uh, unsurpassed in the New Testament. If you read, you would not find any description similar to the description and the beautiful story of Isa ibn Maryam mentioned in Surah Maryam. And then Najashi became Muslim and he made his Islam secret and concealed. And when he died, because nobody prayed janazah on him, uh, Rasulullah made janazah on him uh, in Medina. With Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam, his environment was very, very difficult. And Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam went through extremely severe uh, situations in the short time that he spent in da'wah. And he was accused. And the problem is that he was accused with things that are very, very difficult for a human being to accept. They accused his mother and they accused him. And you know the accusations that the Jews raised against Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. All of this was a test for the sabr and the patience of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. And all of these Anbiya Rasulullah learned from their lives in sabr and in forbearance and their qualities. Sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira. For further information, please contact Al-Bashir Publications and Translations at 1-877-745-3330 or 303-574-0095. Our fax number is 303-373-0943 or visit our website at www. Dot .albashir.com That's www.al-b-a-s-h-e-e-r.com You can also write to our address at 10515 East 40th Avenue, Suite 108, Denver, Colorado, 80239-3264. All rights reserved for Al-Bashir Company for publications and translations. No part of the series may be reproduced in any form without written permission from the publisher. Unlawful reproductions may prevent Muslim businesses from further producing quality programs. Your consideration is greatly appreciated. Jazakumullahu khairan. Please proceed to the next CD.